Mother. This is transmission three of seven, sent five years after the bomb was dropped on New York. My name is Al, and this is what I saw. After being exposed to a nuclear explosion, remove all of your clothing and wash yourself with clean water. This can reduce the radiation present on your body by 95%. Be aware that if a high enough dose of radiation has been experienced, it can be lethal despite all post-exposure safety precautions. Severe radiation poisoning is marked early on by headaches and drowsiness, followed by vomiting, bleeding, and purple spots appearing on one's skin. More severe symptoms, such as hair loss, as well as the loss of leukocytes generally follow, causing susceptibility to infection. During later stages of disease, the inability to renew fast-dying cells, such as skin cells, becomes more apparent as the wall of the gut breaks down and hemorrhaging occurs. And remember, these symptoms can occur hours, days, or even weeks after your initial exposure. Page 32 of the Atomic Survival Guide. Today, Dr. Hubert and I found a very important part for the sound time traveler, and the good doctor lost his shit. There was old man dancing. He says this means that we'll have a prototype of the sound time traveler up and running within the next few weeks. I put my hand on his shoulder and congratulated him on the fact that people throughout the ages would now be able to hear his terrible jokes. But instead of laughing, he looked irritated. He said that that isn't why he built the machine and that I was a silly woman. He says... I should send what I have been recording on my phone through time to warn people. To warn you, I suppose. He said that otherwise, I am just wasting my precious battery and his precious time. Then he huffed at me and told me to get back to work. Later, I told him I'd think about it. He told me to think fast, because the machine will be ready soon and he doesn't think anyone will want an old German guy warning them of World War III. No, Don, we can't. We don't have enough food. I stared down at the five neat piles under the sink, then stared down at my feet. Please, we just can't. We only have a few more days left. We can share what we have. I bit my lower lip to suppress a groan. Why did he always feel like he needed to save other people? Why did he always make me feel so guilty for only wanting to save him? Save me instead, I wanted to scream. We can help this guy. Besides, he can tell us about what happened up there. His finger pointed to the ceiling, a cheap shot. He knew I wanted to get my hands on any information I could about the surface. I sucked my teeth, then exhaled sharply. Fine, but if he stabs us to death, it's your fault. I got ready to pull the door open, and Don stood next to me, arms raised above his head holding a fire extinguisher. It was the only weapon we could find. But when I pulled the door open, the man's limp body slid onto the floor in front of us. 
He was wearing a tightly tailored suit and had cuts all over his hands. An empty bottle of McCollin was clasped tightly in his right. The guy was out cold. A bad smell started to seep in from the hallway, and I wrinkled my nose. It was sharp like onions, but with a tinge of indescribable sweetness. He looks like an extra from the Wolf of Wall Street. I nudged the man's arm with my boot. He didn't move. Give me a hand. Don grabbed under his shoulders, and we pulled him into the room as I kicked the door shut. Once he lay splayed out in the middle of the room, Don got to work, started taking his vitals, tapped his chest and stomach in strange spots, making hollow sounds and not-so-hollow sounds. After about twenty minutes of this, he agreed with the empty bottle of whiskey that he was passed out drunk. Does he look kind of swollen to you? I eyed the man's puffy face, the skin around his white shirt. Yeah, that's weird. Don moved the man's collar aside. His torso didn't have the same red appearance as his neck. I wonder if... Suddenly, the man turned his head away from us and vomited violently onto the ground. I'm already regretting this. I murmured as Don and I began to search the room for things to clean up the mess. The Wall Street dude whom we started calling Walt for short, was in and out of consciousness as he slept off his stupor over the next day and a half. Don and I took turns sitting next to him, us reading, him dozing and murmuring. I had to admit that it was kind of nice. It had been a while since either of us had felt a sense of purpose. Taking care of Walt felt like we were helping. After two days, he finally came too. It was two days before we were heading back up. Jesus, fuck. He groaned and I helped him sit up against the wall. You okay? I asked him. Fuck no. He looked at me angrily. Where the fuck am I? You're in the basement of Mount Sinai Hospital. You don't remember getting in? Don had dropped his book and was walking over to us. Some of it. The man nodded vigorously, as if to spur on his memory. Bits and pieces. You do know the world has gone to fucking hell, right? He just then seemed to notice Don, and looked surprised to find another person in the room. You guys haven't been outside? You don't look like you have. His tone made it sound like an accusation. What do you mean, we don't look like we've been up there? Now that he was awake, I could finally ask my questions. Just that, you'll stay down here if you're not stupid. He placed his head in his palms and groaned. He didn't seem like he wanted to talk about what had happened. But that wouldn't do. We were leaving in two days, and I needed to know what he'd seen. Tell me, or I'll show you the fastest way back up there. I hissed. Walt looked taken aback. So did Don. No, we won't. Don shot me an angry look, but I didn't back down. Tell us what happened, what you saw. Jesus, lady, fine. I can tell you what I saw if you really want to know, but it's not a fun story. Wall Street guy coughed without covering his mouth, and a pink cloud sprayed onto his lap. Don sat down next to me, and I forced myself to relax. As we stared at him expectantly, Walt began to tell us what he'd seen. I had a lunch in Midtown. 
His eyes turned glassy, and for a moment I thought he was going to cry. It was just afternoon, I remember. We were somewhere in the 20s on the east side, and I was yelling at the cab driver, some Chinese dude, to get a move on because I was late. There was traffic, but there's always traffic, so it wasn't really his fault. To be honest, I'd had some nose candy before I left the office, because the client I was meeting for lunch is so incredibly boring, and I wanted to make sure everything went smoothly. I didn't want to fall asleep at the table, so, you know. Walt looked at us for a reaction, waited a beat, continued. So I'm in the cab yelling at this dude, blitzed out of my mind, and we get that crazy message on our phone. We both do, like me and this cabbie. I can see scrolling across his phone that is attached to one of those phone holder things in the front of the car, and I'm reading the message, and then I see him reading the message, and we're both like, oh shit, what is happening? Walt rubs his forehead. Skin flakes floating. So he starts to panic. Calls someone and is like screaming and crying into his phone in some language that I don't understand. I'm pretty sure the dude at this point forgot I was even in the car. Because he is full on driving on sidewalks trying to make a U-turn onto 3rd or 5th. I don't remember. Fucking crazy. And I'm like, hey, where are you going? Because I want to get somewhere safe. But the guy just won't listen. Walt wiped pearls of sweat from his red, swollen neck with the palms of his hands, then let them rest there as if he needed to hold up his head. Don handed him some water, and Walt let it pour down his throat. Then he held his gut and scowled at the bottle like the water had burned him. We waited for him to go on. Walt put down the bottle. So the guy's driving like a maniac. He's hitting food trucks, and I'm pretty sure he killed a dog. And I'm screaming in the back seat that we can't go back downtown because it isn't safe. But he's not paying attention to me, like at all. And then I looked over and realized that I have this bottle of whiskey I was bringing to the client lunch. Don and I both tensed at the familiar player in his story. But Walt didn't seem to notice, stared at the air in between us like a third person was sitting there. So I need this guy to stop acting like a maniac, right? Or at least let me get out of the car so I can try to save myself. But he isn't slowing down. Not for me. Not for anyone. So I took the bottle in my hand and I slugged him with it. My lips parted. A tiny gasp. Meanwhile, Walt was meekly reenacting the memory. His arm moved in a limpet motion like he was swinging an invisible bottle. So I hit him over the back of the head and he finally stopped the car. But there were people everywhere. I didn't want to get lost in the crowd, so I reached the divider and unlocked the driver's side door, got into the driver's seat. We had stopped in front of a parking garage, and I figured, hey, this is fate. You got lucky, Brandon. Walt, I wanted to correct him. A distracted thought, but I kept my mouth shut. So I drove into the garage. No one stopped me. Again, it felt like fate. One floor below ground was the furthest I could go. A wall of cars. So I parked in an empty spot and waited. There was a gap in the concrete wall above me. A gutter, maybe? Crisscross of metal. I could see the sky above me. Blue sky, white clouds, birds flying through the squares every now and then. I could hear people screaming. I think this is when we had run out of time. 
I locked the doors and tried to get down low in case anyone tried to get in. There were strange sounds, scratching and creaking from the street above. Then a light came through the opening, and it was so bright that everything turned white. The sky and the clouds disappeared, and everything just stayed white for a really long time. It was quiet. I thought I was dead. It was kind of nice at first, the nothingness, and I felt like I was floating, and that I was, I don't know, in heaven or something. But eventually, I had to go to the bathroom, and I realized that I was still alive. It was shocking, this being alive. Walt looked down at his pale palms like he was still astounded. Don offered him some more water, but he raised his hand, no. I sat in that cab for three days. At least I think it was three days. I couldn't see anything, and I was sure something was probably coming. Like the Russians, or I don't know, something. So I just sat there. I was scared. I just wanted it to be over. The next morning, the cab driver was gone. He must have slipped out and gone back to try to find his family or whatever. The day after that, the whiteness around me started to fade, and I was able to make out shapes, like the round blob of the steering wheel. So I knew it would get better, I just had to wait it out. I started drinking some of the whiskey to kill time. He leaned back against the wall and cackled angrily, relaxed. I could feel his obligation to us was almost fulfilled. By day three, I could see well enough to function. When I walked out of the entrance of the garage, it was like a zombie movie or something. I mean, there were bodies everywhere, piled onto everything. He paused for a long time then, stared at the floor. But my impatience had vanished. Half the bodies were so burnt you could barely tell they were people ones. The other half looked melted, dripping onto the things around them. And everything else just looked burnt, like a giant fire had just gone out like a second ago, just as I walked out of the garage. He looked at us like we were going to agree with him. Anyway. He rubbed his eyes, winced. I go out there and look around at this zombie world, and I realized that I needed to get away fast. I'm not sure why, but I headed uptown, and as I got into the 40s, things started to look less burnt, less terrible. Things aren't still straight up smoking. And I'm thinking, great, maybe it's not so bad. But then... He gingerly pulled his knees up to his chest, groaned. The movements of an old man. So I'm in the 40s, and it's looking better, safer. Yeah, there's bodies, but they're not as burned. And then, out of nowhere, I see them. A big lump ahead of me, moving. I was excited at first. I thought it was others like me, trying to get away. But when I got closer, I see that it's these people, and they're walking with their arms outstretched for some reason, and they were melted like the people downtown. But they were still moving, shuffling along in this giant pack. And their skin is straight up falling off their arms and their faces. Walt hugged his knees in tighter. At first, I, I thought I was losing it. But I got close enough to see, and they tried to come after me. 
but they were slow, so I ran. I ran past all of them. All of them screaming at me, but it wasn't words, it was just screaming. And I ran and ran until I got away from them, until it was safe. Hit the bottle pretty hard after that. After that, it's just random things I remember. Uh, A loading dock, maybe. Going downstairs. Walking for a really long time. I didn't have a plan at that point anymore. Uh, But then I heard people and... Walt shrugged. And here we are. Then, slowly, awkwardly, he slid onto his side into the fetal position. I'm pretty tired, so if it's okay, I'm going to take a nap. Sure you don't want me to give you a once-over? Don placed a hand on his shoulder. I'm a doctor. I've been keeping an eye on you. Nah, brah. I'm okay. Thanks, though. Uh, I'm sure once I sleep off this hangover, I'll be peachy. Walt had entered into some sort of Wall Street frat bro mode, and I wondered if that is how he was around his friends. Had been around his friends. Once he passed out again, Don and I conferred over the empty bottle of McCollin in the corner of the room. Do you think we should still go out there after what he just told us? Don was gesturing as he said this, a nervous habit. We have to go back to the apartment to get more food. My voice was calm. So downtown was hit, not uptown. More fidgeting. Sounds like. A voice not my own. I felt inexplicably calm. Jesus, Al, do you think we'll be okay? I leaned into his chest. I didn't know. I lay awake again that night, listening to Walt snoring while rubbing Don's back as he thrashed away at his guild. Helping Walt hadn't been enough to alleviate it. Then again, I wasn't sure either of us could really help Walt at this point. Telltale signs of radiation all over him. As I drifted off to sleep, my hand felt numb from rubbing Don. I heard it again. The rustling outside our door. Somehow, it sounded more desperate, not passing by, but insistent. I was too tired to investigate and dozed off. The next day was our last underground. Walt was doing far worse, turning down breakfast with a look of disgust. He kept rubbing his eyes, and I couldn't help but notice that patches of his hair had started to accumulate in random corners of the room. We had to help him sit up or when he needed to go to the bathroom. So we're leaving tomorrow, I informed him. We're going to get more food. He didn't move. Since telling his story, he turned more or less mute. Okay. A whisper directed at the ceiling, eyes closed. It was so awkward watching him as he lay dying. I know you're not supposed to say that, but it was. He went from being this normal guy to just lying there, unable to do anything for himself. And in that tiny room, we were forced to watch him in those final moments that felt intensely private. Oh. Don signaled to me as he came out of the bathroom later that day. Not like Wald could hear us. He had been passed out cold for almost three hours. A string of pink drool connected him to the blue-gray concrete. L, I don't think we can take him with us. He won't make it. 
I was surprised Don was even still considering this. Walt was clearly not going anywhere. What happened? I tried to sound neutral. I just went to the bathroom and... Don inhaled sharply, as if he wanted to get it all out at once. And I noticed there was a lot of blood. A lot of blood. I see. I turned towards Walt, who was wheezing loudly in his sleep. Oh, I don't know what to do. Anguish in his eyes. He really didn't see it. Don. Now it was my turn to inhale sharply. He has massive radiation poisoning. He's not going to make it, period. We can't leave him. There's no food. It's like he hadn't heard me. He could eat the mice. The words left my mouth before I could help it. Don looked at me, stunned. That's not funny. I tried to think of something that would placate Don. We could come back for him after we go to the apartment. Maybe we can find some drugs upstairs that could help him. Even I didn't believe me, but I smiled at Don, hopefully. Yeah, that'll work. That'll be fine. It'll all be fine. Don smiled back at me. His excitement caused a weary dread to spread through my chest, but I didn't contradict him. I guess I hoped it would all be fine, too. The next day... Don and I packed up our stuff. Since we'd eaten all the food, it wasn't much. We'll be back soon, and we will have things that will make you better. Don tried to reassure Walt, but Walt didn't say anything. His eyelids fluttered like this was his way of letting us know he'd heard. Don and I put on our jackets. Wait! Walt didn't even try to sit, just a hushed whisper directed at no one. In case you don't come back. I need to tell you something. We'll be back soon. Don sounded so sure. Well, in case I'm not here when you get back. Don flinched. The driver. Walt's chest was heaving like it was taking everything he had to get this out. He was with me the whole time. He never left the cab. I think I killed him when I... Walt's eyes fluttered wildly, then stopped fluttering. We turned to go. I looked at Don and kissed him hurriedly on the mouth. I felt jumpy. I pushed open the door, and the stench outside hit us like a ton of bricks. Have you seen the day after? Don had asked me, lying in bed reading. Have you seen what those people try to live through? I don't want to live through something like that. Just fucking kill me. He had laughed then, as I scowled my pretend angry scowl. Putting on a second face mask to help with the stink, we walked quickly towards the day after.